Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our pastors, Jim Walsh. I love serving with this worship team. I love every single one of them. They're just so amazing. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to Jesus this morning. They're a lot of fun, too. I really, I think serving should be fun. And it's, it's just really, this team makes, someone was telling me this morning, you know, thank, thanking me for what I do. And I said, really? <laughs> Without them just really giving me a good kick, it's, it's just not the same. I mean, they're, it's just awesome, the life of serving with a team like this, and I just appreciate every one of them. So let's just dive right into the, the Word of God this morning. We're, in case you didn't notice the letters when you came in today, kind of give you an idea of what we're going to talk about. Did anybody miss that? So you kind of, you all, all have an understanding we're going to talk about serving. We do this every year about this time where we just uh, bring in all of our different ministry leaders and just talk about what it means to serve in the body of Christ. So it's awesome for us to just to take some time to do that. So let's just jump in. Look at Galatians chapter 5 with me. Again, thank you for all of us joining online. Glad to have all of you with us and just hearing what the Lord has for us. And so uh, as we jump into this, here's what it says, Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, live as free people, but don't hide behind your freedom. When you do evil, instead, use your freedom to serve God. I'm just so really thankful that the Lord, <laughs> our Father, doesn't depend on our money and our encouragement. You know, nobody ever says to the, hey, Lord, you know, you never hear the Lord saying, ah, oh, you know, hey, kids, just don't bug me right now. You know, I've got a lot on my mind, a lot, I'm, I'm doing a lot up here, you know, I've got a lot going on. You know, he never says that. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, the Lord never needs our help or our encouragement, but his kids do. And so when we serve God, we're serving one another. And when you do this for his kids, you're doing it for him. He takes it very personal when you serve his kids because that's who you're, you're, you're doing it for him. So we're going to look at that a little bit again today because that's what it says. We've been made, we have been set free so that we can serve. Romans says it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say, which is the very least that you can do. Right? So just take a minute and just think, oh, wow, in light of the great mercy and the grace that God has shown us, it's just reasonable right? That we should serve him. And the way that we serve him is we serve one another. We serve his kids. He saved us. He redeemed us. He set us free. Spirit, soul, body, mind, finances, family, everything. And, and the reason he saved us is not so that we can, you know, just kind of sit around and watch Netflix all day, right? Somebody said amen to that. Woo. Actually, I don't know what I hit, but I went clear to the end of the sermon. I don't know if that's a, if that's a, it's like get to the point. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, he saved us so that we can serve. There's nothing about the nature and the character and, and the nature of the kingdom of God 
that suggests that he saved us just to goof off. He saved us so that we can serve and do the works of the ministry. That's why we're called. That's why we're saved. That's why you're redeemed. That's why you're set free so that we can do that. As a matter of fact, you might remember the story in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus goes into the house of Peter and his mother-in-law has a fever. You know that story? And Peter, or Jesus comes in and what does he do? He rebukes the fever and the fever leaves her, right? Does anybody know this story? And so, you know, she gets set free from her fever and she just lays around, turns the TV on and just sees what's going on. It says at once she jumped up and served them. You ever notice that? I mean, you know, she's having a bad day. She's, I don't know, she's in a bad way and she gets healed and she gets up and serves. Wow. So let me just say, we are healed not so that we can go on sinning. We're healed so that we can serve. We're set free so that we can serve. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our money is blessed so that we can use it and serve the kingdom of God with it. That's why our money's blessed. We're saved so that we can serve. And let me just say this, you will never, and I, and I know this with everything in me, I know that we will never, you and I will never ever be happy and fulfilled no matter how much money you have or how much stuff you accumulate in your three-car garage. <laughs> I've heard a lot of stories of people who have full three-car garages, but not with vehicles. <laughs> that might be you. Anyhow, um, you know, if that's not what we're saved, it's just to accumulate and get and stack things up, right? And because the truth is, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing will make you more fulfilled than genuinely using your gifts and who you are to help the body of Christ. That's where joy really, really is. And that's one of the coolest things about being 37, 38 years in the ministry is I can tell you a multitude of stories of people who have found fulfillment and joy when they found their place in the body of Christ. Story after story. Because the truth is the selfish life is a miserable life. And the serving life is a blessed, unfulfilled life. So that's what we're supposed to do. So let me just pause. Who is supposed to do this work of the ministry? Most people think, well, pastors do. Isn't that why we give our tithe so you can do all this stuff for us? You know, isn't that what the fivefold ministry is for? You know, the apostle, you know, that's what it talks about. We'll look at this here in Ephesians 4. You know, the pastor, teacher, evangelist, you know, that's what, that's what they're around for. That's not what the Bible teaches, that they are the ones that are supposed to do the work of the ministry. Notice what it says here in Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. King James Version says, for the work of the ministry. So that's why he gave the apostle, prophet, pastors, he teachers, so that they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So who does the work of the ministry? We do. All of God's people does the work of the ministry. It's not just the fivefold. So their job is just to get you prepared and equipped. I like the amplified version of this. It says this, his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward the building up of the body of Christ's body, the church. So the ultimate goal is to build up the entire body of Christ. That's the ultimate goal is that he would use those fivefold ministry gifts to equip us, you, all of us, to do the works of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. So it's not just the ministers who do. 
Do we have our part? Yes, our part is to equip and to prepare. And it's widely believed that it's the preacher's job to, you know, to do all that stuff. But can I just pause for a minute? It, you know, this thing is way too big for a handful of pastors to do everything. You know, and a lot of churches kind of have this mentality. Well, we have a, a pastor and a handful of staff. They can do all this stuff, right? You know, they, they're the ones that should be praying and believing and counseling and visiting and preparing and, and witnessing to the community and everything else while they do what? So they can come and sit and listen and go home and then come back and sit and listen again, right? No, that's not what it's about, right? This is not right. This is not what the Bible teaches. Definitely not the plan of God. That's not the way this works, right? So why? Because simply put, we, we just, we couldn't get the job done, there's no way that a handful of pastors and their staff can get the job done. It's too big. This harvest field that you, I mean, when you walk outside of the doors today, notice the, not just the physical harvest, but the harvest field of God. It's big. There's a lot to do. The body of Christ is big. There's much, much, much to be done. And it takes all of us in our place to do it. So the harvest is great, but the workers are few. It's not talking about pastors, it's talking about the workers. So, and there are fewer pastors, I will tell you that. That's one of the things that's really difficult to hear. But sadly, and I think you could all agree, sadly right now we're at a place, at least in this country, that people really have developed an aversion to work. <laughs> Anybody notice that right now? We have an epidemic of non-working people in the USA right now. It's epidemic. However, all of us doing the work of the ministry was God's idea. Work has been God's plan from the very beginning. If he had to do it all over, he would say, 10, 10, I'd do it again. Guarantee he would do it the whole thing over this way. Yeah, you know, it takes effort to do the work of the ministry and there's much to be done and there's a harvest field that is huge. But I'm telling you what, when we are in our places and doing that, you know, good work is, you know, it's good work because we know that it's unto these, the results of the kingdom. It's a beautiful thing. So again, let me ask you, who does this work of the ministry? All of God's people. Amen. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians 3, 7. It says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Have you noticed that God is a God of increase? He's not a God of you staying where you are. <laughs> He's a God of increase, of bigger, of better, of further, of more, of stronger. We are not meant to go down or go back or stay where we are. And let me just pause and give you a little parenthetical. Let me just say, this church that he's coming back for is not a, a church that is just on its last leg, barely making through, on it, you know. He's coming back for a glorious church. He's not going to just coast this little thing in and barely land it, and hopefully we all make it to the end. We are a victorious church full of overcomers. And so he's a God of increase, of bigger and better, because let me just say this, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. He's gracing us with his ability and his presence even more in this hour, in this dispensation than he ever has before. 
So he's a God of growth. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He calls us to increase. And I want me and my house to increase, and I want me and this house to increase. That's what I want. Every good thing, for we are God's fellow workers, it says in verse 9. You are God's field, God's building. Yes. I'll never forget 1983, I guess it was. 83 was my first year of Bible college. And I'm sitting in a room full of about 2,500 other new students, full of faith, ready for the call of God on their life. We're excited. Yes. We're going to, God's called us in the ministry and we're here and somehow we made it here and we're going to be equipped and trained. He's going to release us to do what he called us to do, which is prepare his people for works. And we're sitting there in the chair. It's the first day of school. Everybody's got their notepads out. You know, we didn't have laptops. We had, you know, pen and paper. Pen and paper? Yes. Come on, bring it on. And, and the president gets up, first words out of his mouth in his East Southern Texas accent. Let me tell you how you spell ministry. W-O-R-K. Like, wow. There goes my pen, chuck it. I got it, just walked out. No, I didn't. <laughs> but so you're like, oh, okay. This is awesome. <laughs> but work, whose idea was work? God's idea. What building is he talking about? He's talking about his building, his church, his people. And we all are part of God's building. Look around you. This is God's building right here. We are all part of it. So let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Let's continue on in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter. Let's look at verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day of the Lord will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work has, that anyone has built on, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I mean, look at that. Look at that portion of scripture. And notice the, the, the verbiage there, builder, building upon it, you know, builds on the foundation, each one's work, work each one has done, the work that anyone has built on, work, 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 work. What a revelation. <laughs> you can all go home now. We're working on the same building that Paul the Apostle was working on centuries ago. We're on a different floor or wing or whatever part we're on, but it's the same building that's been worked on for centuries. So right here and now, you and I are doing our part of working on this building. Awesome to think about. We're not supposed to be sitting around, goofing off, we're supposed to be busy in our part of the building. And because the truth is, we really only have a short amount of time to do this. And it's, it's, it's not going to be all that long before we're out of here and other generations are going to come in and do their part on the building. So we got to be about doing that part of the building. So I just want to pause here for a second. We're going to do something kind of fun here. But let me just ask real quick, 
How many people here this morning have been a part of CPC Church Family for 10 years or less? All right. How many people have been here for five years or less? Or I should say less than five years. Less than five years, okay? Anybody been here less than a year? All right, so there you go. It's kind of interesting. Awesome. Well, we're going to give you a little flashback into uh, Connection Point Church history. Does that sound kind of fun? Uh, two weeks from the day, we will celebrate the 10th year, our 10-year anniversary that we were in this building. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, our church family, if you didn't know, we had to relocate because they built this highway out here. And so we built this campus through S. Ryder Construction, amazing man of God, called to do this, and he did a fantastic job. Um, but I put together a video that kind of shows some of the highlights of our construction during that. So you get to kind of see like a, a two-minute montage of what that construction looked like. And before we get there, let me just, I do need to put a disclaimer. Uh, this was me taking video with my iPhone. And so it was not my incredibly talented son-in-law, Andrew Farmer, back there who, so do not hold him responsible for the quality or the weird, lame attempts that I have at being, trying to be artistic, okay? Just notice the last, just anyhow, let's just watch this together. I could sing if you want me to. No, I'm just kidding. Ah, <laughs> oh, there he is, the man. <laughs> Steve Ryder brought in the best equipment in the state that they had to be able to make the most incredible foundation that you could ever pour into one building. It was, it was a work of art, him putting all these people together. It was awesome. Does anybody remember any of these? Yeah, there they are, getting it done, just pure muscle. Come on, chuck it up there, guys. <laughs> Stevie, incredible worker, awesome man of God. It's Main Street for all the beautiful stuff. That was an incredible time. It was just awesome to watch that go. So I think we should just thank the Lord for his faithfulness, right? That's good. It was. It was amazing that Steve and his sons were here every day, and we just knew that we knew that we knew it was being done to the glory of God. And what a beautiful job that you did. And one of the, I mean, I don't know, I know enough about construction to know that a lot of times, you know, when those inspections come, it isn't just, I mean, you don't just hand them out. And we passed every single inspection for, right off the bat, had no problem with it. Why? Because it was just done with excellence. And so it was just really awesome. So, you know, Use that as a backdrop as we come back to this in Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 20 with me. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So again, what is the greatest building ever built? God's building, his building, the church. And this building is growing all the time, all the time. Maybe we don't see it like we think we should see it, but I'm telling you, if you look worldwide, the church of God is growing. And it's amazing. And this build, you know, and we know, I hope you all know that the building I'm talking about, I'm not talking about plaster and, and, and you know, boards and steel and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this building that's built out of living stones. Each one sealed into its place by the Holy Spirit. You and I are those living stones. We are each a living stone of this ever-growing structure called God's building. And so when you see lost people, you know what you should think? Building materials. We need to get them into their place. That's part of our living stones. We need them. We got to complete what God is doing here. So we got to get this thing built. We got to get our part done because our time is coming up and the Holy Spirit knows the exact spot for every one of you in his building. Verse 21 goes on to say, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. So I hope you've heard us say this loud and clear over the years, and that is this, is, this building is not the church. You are the church. God does not dwell in buildings made by men's hands. We are the temple of God. That's the reality. We are his temple, and it's being built, and it's coming up, and soon the last stone's going to be sealed in this place, and this thing's going to be finished, and God's going to move into his holy temple forever, and that's where we're going to hang out forever, by the way. I hope you're looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. But right now, here and today, what's our job? What are we supposed to be doing? Work on the building. Work on the building. Work, work, work. What's your part? What's my part? Work on the building. Do you think that, just pause for a minute, do you think that it would be an incredible privilege if you were the assistant to the assistant, assistants who gets to hold the water jug? Building this building, would that be a privilege? Oh, yes, it would. It'd be a privilege to have anything to do with building God's building, any part, anything that you do is a tremendous honor and privilege to be able to be a part of that building. Wow. It's the greatest building ever because everything on this, I mean, look around every, I mean, this building built so well, it's, it's all going to be gone someday, wiped out. And the only thing that's going to remain and last forever is your part at the building of the God's, God's building. That's the only thing that's going to last, including all those who worked on it and all those who contributed to it. That's the only work that will, re, that will remain and be remembered is that work that's done on that building. So remember, this part, this thing is huge. And being a part of it is huge. That's why, number three, we all have to be eager and enthusiastic about serving the kingdom of God. Eager and enthusiastic. Here's what it says in Titus 3.14. I'm going to give you several trans- translations. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. The CEV version says, our people should learn to spend their time doing something useful and worthwhile. The DRV translation said, let our men and also learn to excel in good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Excel, what does that mean? It means to super abound. That sounds a whole lot more than just the requirements. You all work with somebody who does just the requirements. 
but that's not part of this building. He says, excel in the good works. Do more than's required of you. It means above and beyond what is necessary. Go back to chapter to Titus chapter 2. It says in verse 14, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous. What's a zealot? I'll tell you this. A zealot is not bored. They're not idle. <laughs> they are those. I mean, they're, a zealot is pumped. They, they are excited about the stuff that they're doing. And you know they're excited because they don't have a problem telling you how amazing it is. It's okay, the Bible says, to be zealous for the good works, the good works of the kingdom. The Amplified says this in Titus 2.14, who gave himself on our behalf that we might redeem us, that he might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Eager and enthusiastic about good works. I like that. I hope that just rings true in you. <laughs> Whatever zealous, whatever, I mean, think about your own self. Whatever you're zealous about really says volumes about who you are, doesn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's okay to enjoy some things. It's okay that we be involved in some things that are entertaining and relaxing. But can I just say loud and clear, you should never be more excited about cars and football and fishing and even your grandkids than you are the kingdom of God. Can I read that again? You should never get more excited about cars and fishing and football and even your grandkids than you do the kingdom of God. Ever. And I'm not talking about being a goody get it. I, I get that. I'm not saying that. And things that not saying things that you don't mean. I mean genuinely excited and zealous about good stuff that helps people. You should be more excited about that than anything else. Eager and enthusiastic. This is the only reason that God saved you. That's why He saved you. He redeemed you, helped you, cleaned you up, gave you, and gives you everything, all kinds of resources. Why? Not so that you can clap louder at soccer games and not so that you can get all amped up about building houses and going shopping and going on vacations. Those things are great. All that stuff's going to be gone. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. It's going to be gone. We need to have stuff. We need to enjoy it. I get that. I Don't get me wrong. But it needs to be way down on the list of stuff that you are eager and enthusiastic and zealous about. Down the list. And we have to be intentional about shoving it down the list because it always wants to come up higher on our list. Right? Am I talking to somebody today? Doing something that pushes back darkness and makes the way for those in darkness to hear the word of God and get free. Whew. Those who are entangled in religion can break free and come out of that stuff. They've been believing lies. They've been fed lies all their life. And they can get free and get saved and get healed. Oh, that's exciting. There's so many people who are hurting right now. Their hurt is in abundance right now. But the Father is wanting to come in. And he's wanting to come in and show his great love to people. Who does he need to do that? Us. He says, I take it personally when you serve my kids, when you do the work of the ministry for me, when you bless others and you bring healing and life and you show them that there is a way to be delivered from fear, there's a way to be delivered from the bondage that they're in every day. 
There's a way to pray for them and see them break free from pain. That's exciting. People who have been sold a bag of lies by the enemy all their life, and in a moment, one truth can shatter a million lives and lies in their life and set them free. That's what we're talking about. That's exciting. And you don't have to be a preacher <laughs> to do that. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to pray all day. You don't have to be in the scriptures all day. What? The, small, the most smallest, the most natural things that you do to help others for the kingdom of God, you're doing it for him. He says, that blesses me. That blesses me. I hope you want to do something for the kingdom of God today. Amen? I hope that there's nothing in you that is waiting for anything else. And I hope that you're not seeing years and months and days of your life tick by and you're wondering where your place is. Any position is a privilege. It's just a privilege. Any position. If you're working on this building, you're going to be remembered forever. I mean, there's something, you know, that we can all do. I know that every person in this room can do something that's beneficial and helpful. There are things that we can all do that are supportive. And even if, even, you know, just coming alongside and relieving other people who are also part of the building is huge. It's, it's important. It's awesome. I mean, Steve, I'm trying to remember you had like 26 subcontractors or so, something like that. I mean, 23. So, 28. So, Steve didn't, by the way, Steve Ryder didn't do all of this by himself, in case any of you wonder. He did have some help. <laughs> but the word of God says many hands make for light work. And if all the saints are doing the work instead of just a handful of ministers, that's where it's at. I can't tell you how many of my colleagues right now in ministry are burdened and overloaded because they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing in ministry. They're doing the jobs that the people should be doing in ministry. And they are burnt out and they're tired. All the while, while there's people who are really not in their place, who are bored and idle. And that's not the plan of God for the ministers to be doing everything while people are bored and idle or their hands are in other things that really aren't even beneficial to the kingdom of God. God, help us all to get into our place and be doing what we're supposed to do, right? First Corinthians, let's look at this. So because you may be asking, what is that? What does this work look like exactly? What are you talking about? Let's just kind of look at this for a minute. Good question. I'm going to look at a portion of scripture that oftentimes people have looked at when, it, when it's referring to um, the ministry gifts in operation in the church. But I, I, want, I want to go through a portion of scripture. I want, to, I want you to see something that perhaps you've not seen before. It's kind of interesting. It starts out in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, pursue love. By the way, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So here it says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. No one who understands him, but he, under, he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So when you're built up, comforted, encouraged, and strengthened, and you're involved in that, that's working on the building. That's working on the building. So right now, currently, you are, I mean, all of us should be adding to or supporting the building. Currently, actively, right now, everybody in this room needs to be adding to or supporting the building of God's building. 
The fourth point, so that, goes, that takes us right into our fourth point, which is this. We all must only be doing those things that builds others up. So let's go dig deeper in that portion of scripture. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So he's drawing a difference here between those who are building themselves up or building up the church. And so in this instance, the Corinthians need a little bit of correction because they were focusing on what was building up themselves. And he's wanting to point out that they have these spiritual, that, you know, here they are, they're having these great spiritual experiences and they're using their spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and prophesying and they're coming in and they're interrupting things and just kind of doing things that they think is spiritually whatever in that moment. They have an urge to speak in tongues and they just let it rip and nobody knows what they're saying. So Paul's saying, speak in tongues is wonderful. I, I want you all to do it, but in the church. In the church, we need to do this with the mindset of who is being helped by what I am doing and what I am saying. Major, major mind renewal here. Who's being helped by this? Verse five, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Go drop down to verse 12. So with yourself, since you are eager or zealous for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Excel to the edifying of the church. That's what he's talking about. It needs to build up the church. If it's not building up the church, look at verse 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Are you catching that there? Interesting. When you look through a portion of scripture, the, 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 the biggest emphasis is it's got to build up. If it's not helping people and building people up, ah, there's a deception there that they had. They kind of gotten into this whole thing. You know, they're seeking God and they're seeking these spiritual experiences and they're being spiritual. But there, there's this idea that, you know, that in that moment that it's okay to do those things. But Paul's saying, wait a second here. If it's, people don't understand what's going on and, it, and people aren't being built up, then I don't care how amazing it is, don't do it. You know, and there's kind of this idea that you can kind of pull yourself away and have your little spiritual experiences and kind of cloister off by yourself. And listen, none of us are more spiritual than Paul. We're certainly not more spiritual than Jesus. Jesus rubbed elbows with people. He had, he had meals with sinners. You know, and he rubbed elbows with everybody. And, he, and what he did was as spiritual as it gets. It was as profound and deep as it gets. Yet the most, uneduc most uneducated people understood that what he was about helped them. They knew the master was helping them. Helping them get free. Helping their families. Helping them in their jobs. Helping them with their lives. Helping them to live. They knew that. So what Paul's showing here, he said, there's a difference between edifying yourself and the church because babies usually look for just whatever works for themselves. And he's saying, listen, it's time to grow out of the baby stage and get into maturity and ask yourself, is this helping somebody? And even to the point he's saying, even if you speak in tongues a whole lot, at one time he says, if it's not done in love, if you're doing it for yourself, it's just a clanging gong. Even the most spiritual experiences that you may think that you're having if it's not helping somebody, then we're really just getting ourselves. It needs to be building up the church. Building up his church. Amen? 
The Bible even says that. But be zealous about that. Be zealous. Be eager. Be enthusiastic. So take a second. I'm just going to have you take a second and just do a 360 of the room and ask yourself, man, who around me looks enthusiastic and eager? Right? That's what we want. We want a church full of eager and enthusiastic workers for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. If there's not, can I just say that's part of our job? My job is to equip and prepare. That's why I'm up here beating the tar out of this drum right now. <laughs> I'm going to beat this thing silly. Why? Because I, I want to, I, that's part of our job is to call us to our place. I can't do it for you, but I can just say, do you understand how amazing this building is? Do you understand that you've been redeemed and set free and called to serve? So why wouldn't you want to do that? Just, just your reasonable service. But I can't move any of you. I know I can't do that. I would, I would never try to exert my will over yours, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best to make as compelling of a, of a case and, and to paint a picture of how beautiful it is to be in the body. That's all I can do. But the rest is up to us. If there's not, that's what we got to do. So we talked a lot about work. We talked a lot about the church. And the last thing I want to kind of take a look at is this. Number five, we all must resist unhealthy mindsets that lead us to idleness. We all must resist unhealthy mindsets that lead us to idleness. So let's take a peek at 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Idleness is non-working. That's what idleness is. This portion of scripture says, stay away from people like, like that. Stay away from non-working people. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian to me. <laughs> is there anything more Christian than the New Testament? I mean, the New Testament says that. What do we do with that? We have to respond to that. It says, stay away from those who are a brother who is idle. That's love because if somebody is off in this area of their life, does, you know, he's saying they really don't need to be included on everything that's going on because they need something to help wake them up to begin to do good works. So that's what he's saying. So he says, don't treat them like an enemy, but we have to warn our brothers who are in idleness. Wow. Goes on, it says, verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. If Paul was not idle, what did he do? I mean, he worked, he worked, he was a worker. Verse eight, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. So you know, Paul did not live off of anyone. He didn't mooch, he paid his own way. He worked night and day. Verse nine, it was not because we do not have that right, but we but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. Not suggestion. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Everybody deserves to eat. Apparently not. According to the scripture. Apparently not. So again, we have to ask ourselves, are we going to go with the version of Christianity that we have in America or are we going to go with the New Testament? 
So the New Testament tells you, commands you. If someone doesn't want to work, shouldn't eat. Verse 11. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So New Testament's pretty, pretty clear about how Jesus feels about work and how he feels about his building. If this building is everything to him and he's looking for those living stones to be a part of that building and it's the greatest thing. It's like, it's like that same thing where he said he, the, the, where they went out and they had this great banquet but nobody wanted to come. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm preparing the most incredible banquet and you're just like, eh, I'm busy. See my schedule? I got all these things I got to do, places I got to go, grandkids. I get that. And Jesus is going to be, oh, yeah, that's fine. I get it. You get a break. Just chill. We'll all do the work for you. You don't hear that in the language of the New Testament. Very strong, strong words about idleness. He really wants us busy doing the work of the Lord. And can I just say this? Until the day we die. Just because you retire from a job doesn't mean you retire from the kingdom, by the way. We do this until you take your last breath. Because he'll give you the grace to do it. And he'll find somewhere for you to do something. We all have a place. And let me just pause. No condemnation here. I don't, I, just be willing to make some adjustments. Because the truth is, I know this can rub you a little the wrong way, but as a follower of Jesus, you know, there, there's, there's this constant call in all of us is to put off things that we know are hindering us for the work of, the, uh, of following him. To put off those things that are hindering love and to put on Christ. We are constantly have to do that. There's mindsets that we all have to work on and we all have to deal with it. But humbly accept the word of truth and just cast off any mindset that doesn't agree with his word. That, that's it. No condemnation, just make an adjustment here. This works. This is work that we all can do. Nobody is, nobody is meant to be idle. We can all pull. We can all do our part, amen? We can all contribute. Sure, we make mistakes, but can I just tell you loud and clear, Jesus is stronger and bigger than all the mistakes that you've ever made and all the mistakes of the body of Christ for eternity. He's bigger than all of that. He's bigger than all of that. He's greater than the worst mistakes that we've ever done. Paul worked. And that kind of mentality that he had in working overflowed into everything that he did. But whatever you're doing, let me encourage you to eagerly, enthusiastically do it. Whatever you're doing. So, you know, let me just say, it's not our desire today is to get you all amped up. Hey! And get you all, you know, about our programs and our places. It's, can I just say that what we're doing today with our, you know, serve others isn't just so that we can keep the machine of CPC running. There's so many places that you can be serving and be involved in other than just this. But at the same time, maybe you've never served anywhere and you just need to begin to figure out where that you do belong, where you do serve and what your giftings are. Then this is a great place to do that. Because the truth is he's raising up an army out of this body of believers to bring people back to Jesus in the greater Lafayette area. There's more living stones out there that he wants us to bring into the kingdom of God. And if we can equip you and send you out to do that, then that's what we're here to do. He, but can I just tell you, he will build his church, period. He's going to build his church, but he wants you part of that. But he'll, he'll get it done without you, but he wants you part of it. Yes. So find something today. Sign up for three or four ministries if you're not sure. 
what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and Deanne will tell you which ones those are. Before we do that, um, I, you know, I put this scripture earlier in, and we talked about Ephesians, and I just want to come back to this scripture here in Ephesians 4. But I, I realize that you might be here today, and you're listening to this online or whatever, and something dawned on you, and that is you're like, I'm not a living stone, part of this body that you're talking about. And it sounds really exciting. And I realize that I've been searching for a lot of places to belong, and the truth is I realize the only place I really belong is in that building. I've been looking for significance in a place to belong in all the wrong places. And so I'm sitting, you know, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I, I need to be a part of that building. Well, here's how it says in Ephesians. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. When you, when you make a decision to give your life to Jesus and follow him, you are part of that body. So every single one of us was outside of the kingdom of God. Think about that for a second. You were all outside of the kingdom of God, but we've all been adopted into it. Today, we all become just as much a part of God's family as Abraham. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So I just want to pause for a minute and just want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. So just sitting right there, five words, I give you my life today. That's all you got to say to Jesus. That's all. Jesus, I give you my life. And he come in and he says, now you're mine. I need you to follow me. Step one, let's get your place in the building. Let's get busy. That, that's, that's, that's really what Jesus does. It isn't like, oh, hey, you get this trial, you know, 90-day you know, money-back guarantee. We're going to take it easy on you for 90 days. It's like, you're in, let's go. So if that's you this morning, pray that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. So I'm going to close, wrap things up. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. CPC, I mean, you look around this room, CPC is full of some very, very faithful servants of the Lord. We have a rich and long history of those who have remained faithful to the master to do his work on his building his church, right here in this room. I mean, I could just go on and on. Some of you people I've known since 1993 when I first became a part of this church family. And so when I talk to you today, I'm talking to you as a father. I'm not talking to you as one who, I've served this church since 93, and I understand this isn't just me blowing off steam. This is, this is a Paul talking to you, saying, let's, let's, let's do this. But just take a second and look around at the rich history that's all around you. And I mean, I have been privileged to serve alongside of some of you. Oh, my word. It's just amazing. And I'm sure if I said, hey, would you come up here and help me beat this drum? I'm, I'm about worn out. Get up here and help me beat this. I think, I'm sure they would come up here and they would say, yes. What are you saying? Double, triple. I'm sure they would do that. And I'm sure they could tell you multitudes of stories of how fulfilled their life has been because they have stayed faithful to building the house of God. I'm sure of it. So, like I said, as you came in, you saw the big serve letters, right? And so as you walk around those tables and you talk to different ministry leaders, which I want you to do, take some time. Just, hey, what, what's this about? What does it mean to serve here? And, they, and they're eager and enthusiastic with you. <laughs> and they're telling you how amazing what they do is. And maybe you want to sign up. That's awesome. But I also want you just to walk around that table and just pause for a minute and say, wow, I'm the recipient of a lot of people who have invested and built and been a, been a part of this church body. Because it is, it takes all of us to do that. We're blessed. 
We have been saved for these kinds of moments, my brothers and sisters. So this is the very least that all of us can do. So my very last words to you, you see them on the screen, is this. Let's all head out to Main Street or go to the website on connectionpointchurch.org and let's find a place for you to begin serving in the kingdom of God. God bless you today. Let's all serve the kingdom together. You can be dismissed and head out to Main Street and sign up and get some popcorn.